Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Our topic today is Israel shall become the wealthiest, strongest nation on earth. Now, I'm calling that the topic, although I've got a lot more information to back that up that I'm probably not going to be covering today. And matter of fact, I probably should tell you that the sermon from Sunday, uh, I said a lot of things talking about oil in Israel, and I decided to pull it because it was releasing some information that I think should not be released, but should remain secret with me until the time is right. That's well said. So we're sort of talking about how Israel will, the scriptures say, she will become the wealthiest, strongest nation on the planet. Now, I'm kind of talking about that a little bit today. First article. Saudi Arabia set to cut oil supply to the United States. Now, notice the date, June 27th, because we're going to back up and explain that. So it goes on to say the kingdom's, kingdom's steepest drop in production since 2011 would tighten Western markets, the news agency has predicted. Now, as you recall, if Trump had got back into the White House, we wouldn't need Saudi Arabia at all. We don't need anyone else. We can produce all of the oil that America needs and then some. Not only could we produce everything we need, but we would be the number one exporter of oil to the world if it weren't for evil people in charge. Saudi Arabia could slash oil exports to the U.S. in July. Now, that means that we're still beholden to Saudi Arabia and other nations simply because Biden won't let us produce our own oil. And it says that they have reduced the amount of oil they're going to be selling as much as 10%. Well, we really shouldn't care. But thanks to Biden, we do care. goes on to say that as a result, oil exports to Western countries could be affected more than shipments to Asia. Again, we shouldn't care. But we do. It says the bulk of that would go east of Suez. In other words, they're not putting America at the top of their list to provide oil to. Has, sold, has told several Asian refiners that they would get as much crude as they requested. But America is not at the top of the list to purchase oil from Saudi Arabia anymore. It goes on to say that Riyadh could reduce exports to the U.S. to force a tightening of the market that would be evident in inventory reports. And also, she's beginning, already has started, to sell oil in another currency other than the dollar. So these other nations around the world that used to be our friends when God was with us have now turned their back on us, and it's about to cause big problems. Reduce exports to the U.S. to force a tightening of the market that would be evident in inventory reports. Aramco controls the largest refinery by capacity in the United States. Okay, we should be in control of our own oil and our own refining and distribution, but apparently we're not. Next article. Now, I want you to notice the date. This is a little earlier than the other article. And I've only pulled one sentence from this article. It says, Jody's data also showed that Saudi Arabia produced some 10.46 million barrels per day in April, marginally down from 3,000 barrels per day compared to the previous month. So the question is, why is Saudi reducing the amount of oil that they're selling to America? Is it on purpose or is it that they're running out of oil? Well, if they were really running out of oil, we'd be the last to hear about it. Saudi would be the first to hear about it. My guess is that they may be running out of oil. 
And I talked about that a lot Sunday, which is why I'm not releasing that sermon from Sunday morning. Let's go on, though. Saudi pledge pushes oil prices higher. Now, notice the date on this one. This is June 5th, so this is before the other two articles. Riyadh has announced a voluntary supply cut of 1 million barrels per day starting in July. Is that voluntary because they want to hurt America? Well, possibly, probably. Is that voluntary because they want to make more or less money? No. Okay, so what's it really, could it be that Saudi is beginning to run out of oil? Now, let me, let me, let me, I'll talk briefly about some of the things I talked about Sunday, but I, I can't talk too much about it. So I'm, I'm talking to myself here saying, Stan, keep your mouth shut. Don't talk too much. Okay, so when massive amounts of oil is found in Israel, according to Hayseed Stevens, we believe that there's a high probability that surrounding nations around Israel, their wellhead pressures will begin to drop. That may already be the real truth behind Saudis. And if that takes place, well, that could bring on World War III or Armageddon, which is what the Bible says is going to happen. Now, let's go on, though. Let me tie this together. April 15, 2002, I read this many times, but let me show you something in it. So, Leslie was told this in the middle of the night back in 2002, that Arafat would go to the hospital, and two years later, 11-11-04, at 3.30 a.m., he went into the hospital and died there. But when she was told this, Arafat wasn't even allowed outside of his compound, so to put this out to all of her supporters, put it on the internet and everything else, very big, risky thing. But two years later, just like she was told, he died in the hospital. That means that the other points of this prophecy are confirmed. She was also told that Israel will give the Palestinians a state. Now, if Israel give the Palestinians a state, that's one thing. But if America forces Israel to give the Palestinians a state, or if China talks them into giving the Palestinian state. That's another thing. It's just that if America forces Israel to split, then God is going to split America. Number three, the Palestinian state would be a temporary measure to allow the Israelis time to strengthen their military. Now, where are they going to get the money to strengthen their military? Oil will be discovered in Israel. Now, part of what I talked about Sunday is I have found 33 scriptures that say in the last days, massive, massive amounts of oil will be found in Israel. The Bible says that Israel is the, quote, glory of all lands. And I don't think it's glory of all lands because she has olive oil. A lot of people think the scripture is talking about crude oil, really referring to olive oil. Eh, No, not correct. They're referring to crude oil. And again, one of these days I'm going to go in and tell you all of the things that I've researched years ago, made a PowerPoint on it, it's all ready to go, but it's just not time to release it to people. I will be giving away secrets that could compromise what God has told me to do. Anyway, oil will be discovered in Israel, massive amounts of oil. And it may very well be that that oil is not just going to make Israel the wealthiest, strongest nation in the world, and in control of oil, and pricing oil, but it may also begin to dry the wells of the surrounding nations. But anyway, oil will be discovered in Israel. The oil will make the Jews willing to fight for the land. Now, here's my point. 
Israel and America will go against most of the rest of the Arab world, or the way we would say it is, Israel and America will go against most of the surrounding nations surrounding Israel. I do not think it's Armageddon. I think that it is another war, the end of which Israel will be victorious, massively victorious. She will get back all of her land from the Euphrates to the Nile, so says the Bible. And that is going to probably include Saudi Arabia. Whether it's 100% or 80%, I don't know. But See, because Moses was told twice, as a matter of fact, that every place the sole of his foot stepped, he would give that to Moses. Well, (laughs) for 40 years, Moses and the Israelites traipsed all over Saudi Arabia. So there's a very good possibility that if not all of, at least most of Saudi Arabia, is also going to be given to Israel. And that also includes all of their gold, all of their silver, all of their oil, and Neom, that city out there that they're building, that's probably going to be a place for the woman to flee. And that's another topic another day, but let's move on. Next headline. Biden is forcing Israel to attack Iran alone. Do you see how it's laying out? Okay, so it may very well be that this next war between Israel and America and the Arabs may be very close. It says, when asked about the Biden administration's reported new arrangement with Israel, with Iran, regarding its nuclear problem, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu responded, More than 90% of our security issues stem from Iran and its proxies. Our position is clear. Israel will not be bound by any deal with Iran and will continue to defend itself. You know, those are kind of fighting words. Because Israel has continued to maintain we are not going to let Iran get a bomb, a nuclear bomb. The White House goes on to say, We'll do nothing to stop Iran's march to getting a nuclear weapon. Does that sound to me like there's a big war coming? It does to me. Let's go on, though. To the contrary, Biden's new arrangement, just like his predecessor's Barack Obama's 2015 nuclear deal, would give Iran a legal path to a nuclear weapon and a ballistic missile delivery system. At the same time, it would hand the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism billions of dollars in sanctions relief to fund its military and global terrorist network. Does that sound like we're getting close to a war between Israel and the Arabs? See, because if Israel attacks one of the Arabs, they're at war with all of them. I believe that the scriptures say that Israel and the surrounding Arab nations will have a war. God is going to be on Israel's side, and Israel is going to be massively victorious and get back all our land from the Euphrates all the way over to the Nile, and that will also include most of Saudi Arabia. So if Israel were to call and say, Stan, what do you think? Should we go to war? I'd say, absolutely. I'm going to show you a scripture. Israel never loses another war ever, 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 ever again. I'll show you. Not all eyes turn to Israel. Will Israel unilaterally attack Iran? The Biden administration has reoriented its Middle East policy from an Israel-centered to an Iran-centered one. This means that the U.S. has left Israel with no choice but to attack Iran's nuclear facilities alone. Does that sound like a war could be coming? I think it could be. If Israel attacks, the attack will almost certainly trigger a regional war, just 
like Leslie was told. Unless the U.S. jumps in to prevent it from escalating, and they will, but they're not going to prevent it from escalating, in this case, they'll be on Israel's side. Now, that makes me kind of think that Biden is not going to be at the reins at the time. Anyway, jumps in to prevent it from escalating. That will see tens of thousands of rockets launched by Israel's terrorist proxies. Let me just tell you, if God does not want one of those rockets to hit Israel, not one of them will hit Israel. God wants to put angels up there to stop them. He will. No nation will ever defeat Israel or ever uproot Israel from her land ever, ever again. Those attacks paid for by the billions of dollars Iran will receive in sanctions release will result in thousands of Israeli deaths. Wrong, it will not. A nuclear Iran threatens the lives of 9 million Israelis. No, it doesn't, because it won't defeat Iran or Israel. If the Jews have learned anything from history, it is believed that your enemies, it is to believe what your enemies say. Iran continually says it will wipe Israel off the map. Need not worry. Not a problem. Not a problem. Israel. These are the newspaper headlines from John Paul Jackson. I want to point out a few of them that are talking about Israel. We read these, I think it was yesterday or the day before. More explosions in Tel Aviv. Radioactive traces found. Suitcase nuke. What other secret weapons does Israel have? Has Israel played all its cards? Israel says if missiles hit Jerusalem, Mecca will be hit within minutes. Does that sound like there's another skirmish heading your way? Or Israel? I believe so. All right, now. So I said I would show you the scriptures that says that Israel will never be defeated again. And there's other ones, by the way. One of them says that they'll never be uprooted from their land again. But this will prove my point. Zechariah 12.2. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about. Now, what does that mean? That means that Israel is going to be God's battle axe, battle ram. He is going to use Israel to destroy the nations of the earth. He is going to cause all of the nations of the earth that are against Israel to come down and to attack them. And it's a setup. It is a setup that, see, God has put in the hearts to fulfill his will and a degree and to give their kingdoms unto the beast until the words of God should be fulfilled. Revelation. So, it is God's idea. He put it in their heart of the nations to form a world government and to go down to attack Israel. And they're, what they're trying to do is to destroy all of God's people, Christians and Jews. Well, see, Lucifer is lying to him. He's lying to his people. Right through his teeth, he is lying to his people, as that's what he is. He comes not but for to kill, steal, and, and destroy. He is lying to his people and saying, we can defeat this Nazarene. Wrong. Because Jesus is going to return with a morning star and defeat them in one hour, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, or the seventh trump. I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling and all the people round about. In other words, I'm going to cause you, it's going to be a hook in your jaws, I'm going to draw the Russians and all the other evil nations behind Russia down to attack Israel where Jesus will return and defeat them. Verse 3. And in that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. I'm going to read that again. Though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. What's that saying? 
It's saying, Russia, I don't care how many nations you bring, how many advanced weapons you bring, when you attack Israel, it will be your last day. Then he also says, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone. Because it's kind of like all of the news of the whole world is basically about Israel and indirectly or directly. I know it seems like America, but not really. Okay, And a burdensome stone for all the people. God causes Israel to be the center point of the whole world. About everything going on is still circulate, circulating around Jerusalem and Israel. And so consequently, he's going to bring the people down and he's going to cut them in pieces. What does that mean? Cuts them in pieces with the morning star. Verse 4. In that day, saith the Lord, that I will smite every horse with astonishment. Uh, that's what we call the morning star. Where he brandishes his sword with the breath of his nostrils. And it goes to the center of the earth, sets the foundations, the mountains on fire. We'll, we've covered that a lot of times, so I'll move on. I will smite every horse with astonishment, his rider with madness. And I will open mine eyes upon the house of Judah. And I will smite every horse of the people with blindness. The governors of Judah shall say in their heart, The inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength in the Lord of hosts, their God. So they turn to God at the very last minute. In that day will I make the governors of Judah like a hearth of fire among the wood. Well, what's really happening is Jesus returns on that white horse. He uses the morning star. He turns all of the tares all of Lucifer's people, not Lucifer, the Lucifer, the beast, and the false prophet, and those people that take the mark of the beast, those are all tossed into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. And they are tormented day and night forever and ever with no hope of escape. I believe that all of the other demons that reported all these years to Lucifer, they, along with the tares, all along with the nations, are all destroyed. Only Lucifer, the beast, the false prophet, and then those people that take the mark of the beast. Those are the only ones tossed into the lake, burning with brimstone, and they're tormented forever and ever and ever, and no hope of escape. Now, let me go on. I will make the governors of Judah like a hearth of fire among the wood, and like a torch of fire in a sheaf. That's the morning star, where he blows with the breath of his nostrils, and it hits them, and they fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones. And they shall devour the people round about, on the right hand and on the left. And Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place. That means she doesn't have to leave. The Jews never, ever, ever leave their land ever, ever, ever again. Even in Jerusalem. And in that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David. In other words, very strong. And the house of David shall be as God. And as the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And sad to say, that's most of them. And they're all destroyed. But there's a few people that don't. Those people that do not take the mark, but they have not received Jesus either, those are called the nations. And they are told on the Feast of Trumpets, which is the day of Armageddon, after the burning, they're told, okay, you are allowed to live, but with this stipulation. The instant you sin, you will die. And what happens is a morning star judge shows up with the morning star at the speed of thought, which is faster than the speed of light. The speed of thought 
hits the movement with the morning star. They fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones, destroying both body and soul. At the end of the 1,000 years, Lucifer is loosed out of his prison. He goes out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth. Gog and Magog, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea, and they went upon the breadth of the earth, encompassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. In other words, at the end of the thousand years, they are all devoured. If you want to understand Bible prophecy, I get a lot of uh, emails asking me questions. And I say, okay, look it. Why should I answer a question when I'm retyping something in my book that I've already written? So before you ask questions about Bible prophecy, which I love, but first, read my book, The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy at prophecyclub.com. One is 20, but don't do that. We recommend you get the five-book package. You get five books for, I think it's $35. Why? Because we want you to have extra copies to give away. Because what we discover is once people read, matter of fact, I'd say, if you read the first 14 pages, you'll read the whole book. And you read the first 14 pages, you're going to start handing out other copies. Because I think it's safe to say there is not another prophecy book like the secret door to understand Bible prophecy. Let me briefly explain it. Okay, so in Leviticus 23.10, links to Revelation 14.4. It's one word, the word first fruits. And that first fruits word is a secret door that links the Old Testament feasts, which is a pattern, okay, it's a seven-point pattern, the Old Testament feasts, to the prophecies of Revelation so that they can be correctly laid out and correctly understood. Here, let, let me bump. I, I, I can go to this and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Now, this is a zoomed-in picture of it. Let me, let me back out just a little bit. Okay, so this is one of the two charts in the back of the book. The audible voice said the seven seals play over seven years. The seven trumpets play over seven months. The seven vials play over the last seven days. So this is the book of Revelation all laid out on a chart so you can finally understand it. Now, to my knowledge, no one else has been given the secret door. No one else, I know this sounds arrogant, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to have to say it like I really believe it is. I don't think anybody else on the planet understands Bible prophecy as well as I do. I mean, no one else has been given the secret door. This chart is a close-up of the last seven months. So the next time Jesus returns, he returns on first fruits. He resurrects 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. Now, I cannot begin to explain that in a brief moment. you got to get the book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. But believe me, I've got scriptures to back up what I'm saying. So he resurrects 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. They walk around for 50 days. And then 50 days later, on the Feast of Pentecost, then we all go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we see Jesus brought before the Ancient of Days. He is given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is that which shall not be destroyed, that all people, nations, languages shall serve and obey Him. That's when we get a wedding, a white wedding garment. That's all we get, white wedding garment. And He comes forth and He serves us for about four months. At the end of the four months, Jesus and us and the armies in heaven are all given white horses and we ride in tow behind Jesus. 
In the front is Jesus. Behind him are two angels with sharp sickles. The, sharp, the angels with sharp sickles slash the grapes. Those are the nations that for the most part do not have any Christians in them. And then Jesus uses the morning star to destroy the tares and also the people that reported to Lucifer and all of the people that have, that, whose name is not in the book of life. Now, if they took the mark of the beast, they don't get soul death. They're tossed in the lake burning with the brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And then a thousand years later, uh, Lucifer is tossed into, into the fire with them. Now, if you want to understand that, get the book. Secret door to understand Bible prophecy. Anyway, so here's Armageddon. Then about four months, excuse me, th this is where we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. About four months later, it's Armageddon. This is where we return. Then way out here, 10 days later, is atonement, which is, I'm not showing it on the chart right now, and I don't have a chart handy to show you that. But anyway, if you'll get the book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, it will help you to understand all of this. It's not complicated, but it is deep, because to understand Bible prophecy, well, let's put it this way. I wish I had had the book 30 years ago. It would have helped me understand Bible prophecy. It would have put so many misunderstandings that I have had through the years in place. Matter of fact, when, when I started getting these 30 revelations, because I memorized the book of Revelation, I learned a lot. <laughs> I mean, I, I learned a lot I did not know. I mean, I think I went to school with Jesus and I don't think I'm something special. Matter of fact, I don't even think it came because I memorized the book of Revelation. I think you're something special. I think he gave the book to his end-time saints, his end-time watchmen, so that you can explain to people, so you can be a part of the great move of God, the great harvest, the thousands upon thousands of souls that are about to come to Jesus. And if you want to share in that harvest, you need to be able to explain Bible prophecy and the Holy Spirit is not going to put up with you teaching a bunch of errors. you got to know what you got to know. And that is, got to kick out that idea of thinking that there's going to be a pre-trib rapture. It's not going to happen. not going to happen. It's not going to happen. There's other things, you know, you, you got to learn. And this is, this is the reason I think he gave the book. Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, prophecyclub.com, prophecyclub.com. What is wrong with this? You say, well, it's a piece of bread. You're right. It's a piece of bread I took out of this loaf. This loaf is a one-pound loaf, and there's something missing from this bread. Even though it says it is whole wheat, there's still something missing from this and almost all of the bread you're eating. See, the story was in 1860, the smart humans decided that they were going to outstrip God and that they could figure out a way to where the flour would not spoil. Because once you break the wheat berry, then it begins to spoil, and in 7 to 10 days, it's got mold. So they figured out how they could be smarter than God. We're going to take out the outside shell and then the wheat germ. We're only going to use the white powder part of the wheat. And that doesn't spoil. And they're right. You can put it in a bag. Five years later, it's still there. But then, of course, there's something else they removed. And that is most. Now, not all, but most of the nutrition. So then they had to pass all of these laws saying you got to put niacin, you got to put vitamins, you got to do this, put all of this into the... So why not just use what God made? So the difference between this and what I made is this. That's the difference in my bread, whole wheat bread, versus what you buy in the store. The bigger slice here, this is actually... 
cherry, cinnamon, uh, honey, and vanilla mixed together. And I made this. So when you make your own homemade bread, you can make it flavor any way. You want jalapeno? You got it. You want to have uh, seeds, sesame seeds, however you want to, you can make it. But the big advantage to making your own home wheat, whole wheat bread is that it's probably the cheapest way to, to have long-term storage food because most of your long-term storage food companies cost nine to $10,000 per person per year. But at Joseph's Kitchen, they can show you how to feed your family for about $1,000 per person per year, and it's whole wheat. Okay, so what is whole wheat over the regular wheat? Well, you remember the seven years of plenty followed by the seven years of famine of Joseph and the Pharaoh. Well, that meant that the whole world lived off of wheat for seven years. Now, I don't think that we, maybe Jesus said, you may, man should not live by bread alone, meaning you should have other things that you should eat. However, about the closest thing out there that'll feed you not only good tasting, but also nutrition for your body is wheat. And so we recommend you go to josephskitchen.com. When you go there, you got to get two things. One is you have to get a machine package. That's the items that you need to actually physically make the bread. It's a wheat grinder where you put the wheat in. 30 seconds later, you have flour. You put it into a bread machine with six other ingredients. Push a button two hours, 20 minutes later, you have a nice, hot, steaming loaf of wonderful that you made whole wheat bread. Slice that up. We can prove The slicer is even included. The beakers, it's everything you need to make bread. Then you decide how much food you want to have. You want to have food for six people one year, four people one year, two people one year. You place your order, and they have it in stock. Because most of these long-term storage food places, they're out. Uh, Some of them are two or three months. Some of them are even longer behind in filling their orders. But at Joseph Kitchen, they can ship within two or three days. And they ship around the world. Go to josephskitchen.com. I'm telling you that the prophecies say there's about to be a food shortage And if you want to listen to what God's trying to warn us about, then you'll get this long-term storage food. Terry Saka with CornerstoneAssetMetals.com. So what's going on in the world of finances? Why should they call today? Well, China has laid out in a speech a few weeks ago exactly what they think of the United States. I haven't seen that in my 55 years. With China and Russia forming these reserve currencies, new reserve currency, we better be prepared because that dollar is going to be in deep trouble and we're going to need assets to protect us from it. CornerstoneAssetMetals.com. Call them or go online, CornerstoneAssetMetals.com, or call them at 888-747-3309. 888-747-3309. I am having another Level 2. Level 2 School of the Watchman's Conference, and I'm calling this a teacher's course. It's going to be September 15 and 16. You can go to prophecyclub.com and it'll tell you all of the details about it. And it gives you all of the requirements. I'll let you read that online. However, the big question is you're going to be saying, well, what's the difference between level one and level two? Well, lots. Level one was primarily reading through most of the book of Revelation and teaching it. That's not be level two. Yes, we will do some reading. But this one is designed to make you a teacher 
of Bible prophecy, which, by the way, our office wants to know if you went through level one and if you have taught or have been invited to teach from the book of Revelation and you went through level one, send me an email. I'd like to know that. I know there's been at least one. I think there's two, maybe more. Anyway, I'd like to know. So level two is to teach you to the point to where you can be qualified to actually teach the book of Revelation. Now, I'm going to tell you right up front, we're going to have a level three, God willing. And in that one, I'm going to require people to memorize the book of Revelation to come to level three. And so there's going to be one year's difference between level two and level three. It took me a year to memorize it. So I figure it'll take you a year to memorize it. Some of you may even faster. So go to prophecyclub.com and it'll give you all the details, tells you all about some of the difficult questions and things like that we're going to cover in level two. Level two is going to get you real close to being a, a qualified teacher of Revelation. But by the time you get through level three, having memorized the book, pastor's going to listen to you. And that's where we're going with this. Next is, I'll send you to empshield.com. If you use the promo word prophecy, you get a $50 discount. What is that? Well, it looks like this. This is the one that goes into a car, okay? And you put the red wire to the red side of the battery. You put the black wire to the black side of the battery. And the green one attaches to the body of the car. Then you peel it off right back here. Just peel that off. Stick it inside of the, 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 the engine compartment of your car. And the whole point is when the electricity goes off or when some kind of a suitcase nuclear nuclear device goes off, this is supposed to be able to stop that device from destroying every computer chip in your car. Because if every computer chip is destroyed in your car these days, you couldn't possibly replace them all. Throw the car away. So, empshield.com, promo code PROPHECY. 